Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Yes, you are. The buzz today, gamification. Big word, exciting word, very compelling. Let's get started. Who in your workforce is driving the uptake of gamification in the business context? Well, you're not going to be surprised. I'm not surprised that research tells us it's the employees. That's right. I didn't say employees. I said employees. And guess what? No surprise either. We think they're mostly millennials. Little side note, millennials are going to turn, the leading edge are going to turn 35 years old next year. So they're not babies anymore. Well, for them, work is about self-fulfillment, not all about self like for previous generations, and success is defined not by rank or seniority, but by things that matter to them personally. So in your organization, gamification is not about serving your managers and your company and your processes and your protocols. It's about what interests your employees. If you're worried about that, there's a silver lining. This is it. When gaming creates a powerful, productive environment for creativity and innovation in your company, Everybody wins. That's the bottom line. We have a panel of experts to talk to us about innovation and gamification. The iWorker, the employee, and the collaborer. We're going to define those very interesting words that probably don't exist in anybody's dictionary yet. First up on the panel, I'm pleased to welcome back to the show a previous guest on one of our other series. It's Gopal Rajguru. He's the founder and managing director at Innovate and Grow. And Gopal sent me the following quote from... General George Patton. Here it is. Never tell people how to do things. Tell them what to do, and they will surprise you with their ingenuity. What a beautiful quote. Go, pal. How are you today? I am very well, Bonnie. Thank you. Good. How are you? Delighted to have. I'm um, great. Thank you. Delighted to have you back. You're on, I think, a couple months ago on one of our other Game Changers series. So you're perfect In for April, this topic, yeah. obviously. Yeah, you're perfect for this topic. So talk to me about why you selected the George Patton quote, and then let's relate it to our gamification and innovation topic, please. I'd like to relate it more to innovation, if you will, because it's 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 in that light that I chose that particular quotation. Because, as you as you know from the name of my company, you know, innovate and grow. Innovation is really, really a topic in which I believe very, very firmly. And one of the things that I've seen in companies with which we've tried to do innovation programs and create an innovation culture in the company. One of the things that we've, we've found that is, that is very difficult is that oftentimes, particularly leaders of an organization, rather than simply stating the objectives and saying, well, give us your creativity, show us what you can do, they mm-hmm. try to prescribe the method in which people should reach the objective that, that, that they want. And it's, it's that which often limits, in my view, a lot of the creativity and innovation in an environment because it restricts people into thinking in a, in a certain way. And that may not either fit for them or it may be something that is, well, it's old school. It, it's, it's a different way than, than they would necessarily have approached the problem. 
And, and it always harkens me back to a, a quotation I had from my father, who was my, my leadership mentor. And he mm-hmm. said, Gopal, just because people work for you doesn't mean they work like you. Ah. And uh, I love that, you know, and that's, that's what that quotation was about. I, I tried to find something that was like, like that because I have a feeling my, my dad probably heard it from somewhere. But this, this, it, just, it just captured it in one go. So I thought that's the quotation I have to use. That's perfect, and thank you, Gopal. My question to you is, when I mentioned that this sounds like uh, research and we're going to talk to you and the other panelists about this, we're focusing on millennials. Is that true in your point of view, your experience, or does this apply, our topic of of employees and co-laborers, does this apply to all generations in the workforce? And we know now that we have at least four generations working shoulder-to-shoulder, side-by-side, but not like each other. So what do you see? Well, I, I think, let, let's put it this way. Yes, I do believe it applies to all the generations. Mm-hmm. I believe also that some of the older generations have been beaten into submission over the years by, by being forced to conform to certain ways of doing things in the workplace, that their creativity has been stymied by the, 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 the imposition of certain thinking methods and say, always searching for the right answer, if you will. And that, that's something that, that I think over time, it just, it just demotivates them from even, even starting to think outside the box. It's that their first thought is, well, I would, oh no, that's not how my boss would do it. Um, mm-hmm. How would, how would he do it? Well, okay, I, I better go the safe route because I don't want to draw undue attention to myself. I don't want to create or stir the pot in a way that would somehow reflect negatively on me and absolutely not on my boss. So there, there, there's all sorts of, all sorts of things, the, these pressures that are both written and unwritten within an organization that over time I think really stymie the innovative process. And that's why I think we're seeing it more with millennials only because they haven't yet been conditioned. Ah, very good. So they're the newcomers on the scene, and they, yeah, we haven't molded them yet into that type of protocol. Very interesting. Mm. Thank you, Gopal. Welcome back. Wonderful to have you on the panel. And let's welcome a newcomer to SAP Game Changers Radio. It's Mario Herger. He's CEO, founder, and partner of Enterprise Gamification Consultancy. A good reason to have him on this panel. And here is Mario's quote. Gamification is big data on employees and will transform the way companies select evaluate and promote employees. Interesting. Mario, welcome. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Wonderful to have you on board. So as I said, the title of your company is Enterprise Gamification Consultancy. Obviously, you're perfect for this. So talk to me about your quote. Why don't we apply it to our topic in general, innovation and gamification? And also, you can apply it to what Gopal shared. Go ahead, Mario. Yes. Gamification is uh, uh, actually big data on employees, on players. And the reason for that is uh, what does a game do very well? In order to uh, level a player up, know what the player has done. Uh, It needs to know what the player has done. That means uh, if you play a game and you kill zombies or or pigs or uh, do other (laughs) things that bring you forward, the game needs to keep track of that. And only then, when you reach uh, a certain number of, I don't know, uh, achievements, then you can be promoted and come to the next level or get this next virtual item. Now, if we uh, 
relay that on employees and gamification where we use game design elements in a non-game context such as, you know, work software, uh, CRM systems, uh, emails, communities that we use. The system needs always to know of how well you were doing and how well you are doing, which means it creates, uh, besides the fun and entertainment, it also creates a huge data trail on each player, on each employee. And suddenly I have in a business environment, thanks to game elements, data, uh, which I up to now don't really have. When you look at large games such as World of Warcraft, where 10 million players are playing, you see how data-driven such a game is. When the people play together, they're in teams, or as it is called in these uh, games, guild or battle group, they see how well everyone is doing at the same time in my battle group, and I'm talking about teams of 50 people or so. Mm -hmm. Uh, In a work environment, you typically don't have that. You don't know how well your colleague uh, is doing. And if he needs or she needs help, and if I can help to make us win together. I also don't know how well I'm doing. I get, you know, feedback maybe once a year through performance feedback. I may get occasionally a thank you, but I don't really know uh, how I'm doing right now. Uh, how can mm-hmm. I improve if somebody tells me that? And that's why I'm saying gamification is the big data on employees. Interesting, Mario. Very interesting. I haven't heard this. I'm going to call it a construct before this concept. A question for you is, do you need to tell employees if they're playing these games? And you're not talking about playing games at work. You're talking about business type of gamification. That's my first question. The second is, is there a privacy issue or do you have to say to employees every move you make, everything you do, every strategy, we're watching you, we're collecting this and we're going to see who you really are. Just briefly, what are your thoughts on those two questions? Yeah, these are, of course, of course, the good question. So first, you don't need to tell uh, the employees that they are using a gamified system. Typically, uh, you wouldn't even notice that you use such a system. Today, for example, you yourself use LinkedIn or Amazon. Those mm-hmm. are gamified systems. They nudge you yeah. into certain behaviors, like sharing more information on LinkedIn with others, and then you have this progress bar that tells you, that's how much you have completed of your profile. Uh, and then you get feel, oh, I have only 40%. How can I increase that? Or when Amazon tells you only three items left in stock, then you feel this time pressure. Oh, I have to buy it now. Otherwise, somebody else buys it and I'm not getting it and I have to wait long as I buy it now. These are little elements. And I imagine that you use emails and they encourage you to, you know, uh, not CC everyone on that email, but really have to think uh, who would be the most likely to give me a response to that question that I have. Data, from a data privacy issue, that depends on the country that you're in. Uh, Europe has, for example, much stricter data privacy laws than the U.S., so you'd have to, for example, involve the Workers' Council in in a country such as Germany, to agree on that, to look at that, because they look for every software that comes in, what is the purpose of it, and what is the data collection that it does, and is this uh, purpose of this data collection, uh, can this be achieved with less data and other things? There is some flexibility in that. The question is always, 
how do you use that data and, and what purpose it serves? So it's a valid question, and that's what you have to figure out in your country, in your organization. Thank you very much, Mario. Appreciate the answers. Tanya Erisman is our third panelist, also new to Game Changers Radio. She is the head of Innovation DNA in the Global Services Innovation Group at SAP. And for the first time on all of our shows, I think we've done about 300 shows, we have a quote from Mary Poppins, and this is exciting. And Tanya picked the following quote, In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. I love that. Tanya Erisman, welcome. How are you today? Hi, Bonnie. I'm so excited to be in the show. Thank you very much. Oh, our pleasure. So talk to me. You picked such an interesting quote. I have a feeling that fun has to do with gamification, so why don't you talk to us about your selection and relate it to our topic, please. Absolutely, I will do. So I'll probably bring that to a bit more playful side now that we've heard from Gopal that companies are prescribing to way to innovate, and we've heard from Mario that there's Big Brother watching you in companies. So I'll bring that to a more playful side, hopefully. So I think, you know, the, the, uh, the quote I chose, I think that is something that doesn't just apply to, to your life in general and obviously to jobs environments where it comes from, but it does apply to business as well. And it's something I actually live by. The difficulty behind finding, uh, behind that is to actually find the element of fun in the job that must be done. And that, I think, provides a good basis or the basis for gamification in the business as well. And another difficulty in that is the fact that the element of fun in what must be done is not the same for each of us. And that's another thing for gamification. I think that is uh, quite interesting to look at. Um, So imagine when you take that quote now uh, saying that there is an element of fun in everything that must be done and you apply that to innovation. I think that's where it becomes really powerful because I think what Edison said once is that innovation is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Mm -hmm. So imagine the amount of work that goes into innovation and imagine if you can take that amount of work and specifically the perspiration part and turn that into something playful and something fun uh, when you do that job. So I think that's a very, very powerful thing to do and that's why I chose that quote. I like that. Now, Tanya, I have a question for you. The title of our episode today is Gamification and Innovation, the iWorker, Employee, and Co-Laborer. Now, I got these from you. You suggested these three titles, these positions. I don't know. I don't know people who were hired exactly for these positions, but maybe they are. So would you just mind taking a minute, please, and, and defining for us this, tri- this trio of the iWorker, the Employee, and the Co-Laborer? Absolutely, I will. Mm -hmm. So I think, first of all, I think these are actually, you know, your staff of the future. So these are the people we're going to work with in a few years from now, if if we're not already doing that now. Uh, The employee, I think we've mentioned that before, and you have certainly in the introduction, there's more and more millennials uh, coming into the business, and they do drive the uptake of gamification in the business because they come from a gamification background. So the employee, I think, is uh, is a term that's probably explained through that. So it's, it's the uptake of gamification in the business through millennials. Now, the eye worker is something else I've come across, and, and that, that has a, a different touch to it. That's probably not touching much on gamification. Um, the eye worker is something I call the people who in the future will be the ones who are freelancing, the kind of one-man shows that sell their expertise to different companies. So I'm not sure they're going to be a, a good audience for gamification of business applications. So that's eye workers. And then the collaborators. I think, you know, more and more in a connected work, w- world, we can actually... 
collaborate with others. And I see collaborators as highly connected employees. Um, that they are connected through social networks and, and, and other platforms. And they can drive things like open innovation and crowdsourcing and a networked workforce, which leads to completely different work structure. Um, so that's what I call the collaborator, and that's something definitely uh, that has a meaningful impact on what you can do with gamification and specifically also what you can do to innovation as well, I think. Thank you so much, Tanya. Great explanation. Appreciate that. And now I have a very tough question for my three panelists. You all know what's coming. I'm going to ask you, what's in your cup? What are you drinking today or what do you wish you were drinking? And this goes back to the fact that SAP Game Changers Radio now comprises 10 different series. But the flagship show I started in 2011 is Coffee Break with Game Changers, which is still alive and well. So we ask all of our panelists, What's in your cup today? So let's go back, circle back to Gopal Rajguru at Innovate and Grow. Gopal, what are you drinking? Coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I need more than that. What kind of coffee? What kind of cup? Hot or cold? Talk to me. Hot coffee, and it's it's as strong as I can get it. I just I just uh, returned from New York this morning, so I'm I'm still a little bit fussy. (laughs) And where are you right now? West Coast. I'm back in back in Geneva. No, I'm back in Geneva. Oh my uh, goodness, you're all the way across. Okay, well that was some yeah. trip. You you missed the rain. It's been pouring here, but it's quiet right now. So, well, it was nice yeah. to have you in New York. And I hope your coffee. I'm assuming it's high test, fully loaded, and and oh, uh, yes. high lead. Yes. Okay. Good. Does oh, it have a brand oh, or or out of a, is it has it have a brand? Nespresso. Okay. Thank you, Gopal. <laughs> Mario Herker. Twenty year innovation <laughs> yeah. story. There you go. Mario Herger, what are you drinking today, or what do you wish you were drinking? Well, I drink uh, typically an espresso. Uh, I'm uh, uh, from Vienna, Austria, so that means with our coffeehouse culture that we have, I'm not just ordering a coffee. I order specifically something, and that is either an espresso or a macchiatone. And an espresso, a coffee typically is said to has has to be like, like uh, love. It has to be uh, hot like ah. hell, uh, <laughs> dark as the night, and sweet as love. So I'm taking not the sugar in there. So it's not as sweet as love. It's more as bitter as something else. <laughs> but that's how what I typically drink in the morning. Oh, that's so poetic. Hot like hell, dark as the night, and sweet as love. <laughs> That's certainly an innovative way to describe it. Thank you very much. God bless the Nespresso. Tanya Erisman, what are you drinking today? (laughs) So since I'm calling in from Switzerland and it's the late afternoon for me, I'm actually having a glass of sparkling water that's gone not so sparkly. So that's the short answer. The long one is uh, I usually drink things that have gone stale because what happens is, uh, you know, I get something to drink, maybe, maybe coffee, tea or juice or water or whatever. And then they put it right next to me on the desk. And then what happens is I, I, you know, I forget about it for the next two or three hours. And then I remember it again. And when I try to drink it, it's gone, you know, either cold or, or, or too warm or, you know, in any other way, uninspiring. So what happens, and I pour it into the plant next to my desk, which is what happened about five minutes ago. Um, so what I'm really drinking, I just realized, is probably liquid plant feed. <laughs> whatever's in my glass. Funny, That's funny. certainly picturesque. Thank you very much. I guess what you've all deserved, you've earned the break. We're going to take a break for about a minute and a half here. I'm speaking today with Gopal Rajguru at Innovate and Grow, Mario Herger at 
Enterprise Gamification Consultancy, Tanya Arisman at SAP. Our topic is gamification and innovation, the eye worker, the employee, and the co-laborer. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be right back. You're listening to, let's see, this is episode number three in the first season of Innovating Innovation with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Brad out. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Innovating Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network Listening to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. We are back with Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. As the gentleman said, my special guests today are Gopal Raj Guru, Mario Herger, and Tanya Arisman. And we're talking about gamification and innovation. So let's kick off our roundtable with uh, some notes from Gopal I got before the show. And he says, innovation is an often quoted quality and objective of many leaders and their organizations. So let's start the roundtable. Gopal, please start. Well, innovation is is often if you if you look at the annual statements, letters from presidents, and uh, many of the speeches, keynotes, and everything else from organizational leaders, innovation is is something that is 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 a desirable quality of their organizations. But if you coming back to my original thesis in the opening statement, oftentimes what they try to do is to channel that innovation in a way that is that is particularly suited to that organization rather than being willing to actually break the mold a little bit and allow people to innovate the innovation process. So this is, this is where I see the dichotomy oftentimes in the way in which the leaders see innovation because they see it as, as bringing a very strong premium to their stock price, the value of their company, the image of their company, and so forth. But in reality, the implementation is often rather far from the ideal about which they speak in their in their in their in their public statements so there is there is to me a, a large gap between what they say they want and what they actually end up creating in their organizations okay gopal thank you mario you want to chime in and add on to what gopal shared on that 
I agree that, that innovation is something that everyone uses, uh, but nobody really knows how to do. And innovation is uh, a lot of different things, uh, how you do it or enable your employees. Uh, it starts with culture. It starts with structure and organization that you have. It starts with tools. Uh, and it continues with, with, with other elements that you have people who are allowed to be silly, uh, that they are allowed to connect and combine uh, disciplines that have nothing to do and, and are not being told to hold back. And uh, you need an environment where people are allowed to experiment, where people are allowed to fail, uh, where they can do things which at the moment do not seem relevant for the business, uh, but may become very quickly so. There are a lot of elements in there, and it's not just introducing a platform or bringing a genius in. It's also a very collaborative effort. So there's a lot of things in innovation that come in, uh, and using it, but most companies use just the word in their statement, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Just paying lip service, right? right? Yep, absolutely. Tanya Erisman. Tanya, some thoughts? Yes, absolutely. So I hate to agree as well because I want this to be a lively discussion. But uh, yes, um, innovation is a term that's way too often used and, and it's not lived. And that's exactly why I think gamification is an interesting hook uh, to put, put into that innovation topic because gamification can actually help increase the engagement that's needed. And that's something Gopal mentioned before. You know, the, the, the board may say they are innovative and it's, and it's an important thing for them. But it's not done, really, and they don't let people have the freedom to innovate. So I think um, using gamification and using gamification methodologies can actually help uh, getting employees into being playing a more active part in, in being innovators in a in a company. Plus, what I think is in, it, what's important is gamification. Obviously, built on passion. You know, games are about passion, being behind something and doing it for hours. And that's something you really want to have uh, when people start thinking about and actually living innovation as well. So, um, so while I think yes, it's it's uh, it's overrated as a term and underlived. Uh, I think gamification may actually change that. Thank you. I have a question for the entire panel before we move to uh, another another topic with Mario's notes. Uh, the question is, are all games created equal in terms of appealing to or bringing out the strengths of different generations in the workforce? I mentioned this earlier in the show. Gopal, what are your thoughts? Do you need a set of gamifications for for the employees over 50 and for those under 50 and for those under 25, how do you how do you get them engaged? In other words, is, is it one size fits all? That's what I'm asking. Gopal, thoughts? Well, I, I think, you know, having having tried to do games with sales forces, which is which is where I, I primarily do them, we've been able to engage people from a wide spectra of age groups using the, you know, essentially a similar format for all the games. The I think the, the way in which to engage them is that the topic needs to be relevant, regardless of age. I think we're taking advantage of human nature here, not necessarily a, an age-specific or category-specific uh, type, of, type of person. But I think we're, we, as long as the, as the topic is relevant and the format of the game and the, the purpose, the outcome are clear, the setup is often what, what really leads to whether or not a person is going to be engaged in that game. So, yes, I, I think actually that, that one size can potentially fit all. It just needs to be the right size because it, it, has, to, it has to fit 
the requirements of that group and lead them to a place that actually adds value to them in their in their jobs in their as individuals and just in the participation of the game that they have both enjoyment as well as learning from that game and if you can achieve that i think actually that yes you you can use the same thing you know would, would, would different media potentially you know mm-hmm. help help uh, address younger younger versus older yeah potentially but that doesn't preclude it in my opinion it's 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 the content that's actually more important than the media Interesting. Thank you very much. Mario, agree, disagree with Gopal? You want to add to that? No, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think when you look at age uh, and what older people are playing, or then you see they're playing bingo. Who's playing bingo? Yeah, this is kind of stereotypical. Uh, play a game that elderly are playing, yeah, or card games maybe. Uh, so age is just one dimension in how we look at players and uh, employees or gender is another one uh, uh culture is one where you come from come do you come more from a, a, a culture where harmony in a group is more important than individuals achievements or individual opinions etc so out of out of uh, eight dimensions you have to look in all of them. And, and I think Tonya has mentioned that in her quote with fun, uh, fun is for everyone different. So when we look at motivators, fun motivators, uh, I know that I'm a collector. Collecting is one of these fun motivators. I like collecting stuff. Yeah, Other people are like, like uh, or, uh, making order out of chaos, such as people working in the Wikipedia, for example. While mm-hmm. others uh, like more decorating, uh, especially... Uh, women uh, tend to more decorate, and that's why they play games such as Farmville. So we look at all these different <laughs> elements. <laughs> You're laughing. Now I know why so many women invite me to play Farmville, and I am yeah. not going to do it. Yeah. So now did I, I know. Did I catch a secret here? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I just <laughs> keep saying no thanks, no thanks. Exit out. Get rid of it. Get rid of yeah. it. Over. Oh, so, but. <laughs> there are these different fun motivators, and decorating is one of them. Uh, age is another dimension that we look at. So, so, of course, we need to bring that in in the game in order to get everyone involved. Thank you. Great insights. Tanya, want to add to this, please? Your thoughts on, on is, is it a one-size-fits-all with gamification? Absolutely. I think Gopal put it right. If you find the right size, it might actually um, fit all. Uh, specifically when it comes to age, I think, yes, you can find the, the element of fun that, that fits the age groups, um, be it whatever business application it is. However, there's one, one thing in there that I don't like, you know, when you say one size fits all, um, is even though I am a passionate, um, you know, gamified person, I like collecting the points and things. Um, uh, what I think is that people can get a bit oversatisfied with the whole concept. You know, you can get tired of con- constantly outperforming yourself uh, because, uh, you know, you're, you're a little bit manipulated in some ways uh, to do that. So if you don't apply it to everything, um, then that's good. But if you do and then, and then choose the right side that fits all, that's going to that's gonna make everyone tired of it. 
Thank you very much. Guess what? I'm going to go to a slightly different topic. I'm looking at Mario Herger's notes here. Some of the language I can't use on air, but very, very colorful, Mario. Uh, let me read a couple of statements from your notes, and then we'll we'll start our next read, and then we'll have time for one from Tanya's notes. So Mario Herger says, having fun at work does not mean we don't take work seriously. In fact, humor and fun open our minds to more creativity. And, and then let me add to that. He says, I think we should reintroduce singing labor songs in monotonous, monotonous blue-collar jobs and one more comment he says companies should introduce new kpis to measure happiness engagement fun collaboration and competency wow 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 mario talk to me about any or all of that please mm-hmm. i give you i give you an example with the labor songs uh, uh, back then 150 years ago uh, there was in in the region of salzburg you know where they, they, they made the movie sound of music there was a farmer who hired his helping hands by uh, having them basically answer in what we would call today rap songs. So, so this, this region around Bavaria and Salzburg, people were singing kind of rap songs. This was his four-liners. And he, he hired them only by how well they could respond to rap songs, to this kind of anthem as they were called there. So you have people from far and, and, you know, coming there in order to get hired there, to, to apply for a job there, because the people, uh, during the day you talk only in that, that kind of poetic form. And for them it was really a challenge to come there, but a positive challenge. They wanted to be there. So that means he had very motivated employees uh, that worked with him. Now, this is not special for Austria, you read about work songs and labor songs in the UK. You see mm-hmm. that in the US uh, with slaves or with prison songs. You see that in Asia, uh, how people they are using songs to get over the monotony of work, uh, and especially in such unskilled uh, or mm-hmm. monotonous routine work that you are uh, involved in, it can become very boring. And, Songs bring a structure in there. They also serve as kind of a progress bar. Uh, I, I read in a work song book uh, about the UK that uh, they used it, you know, the new hundred songs. And throughout the day, they sang this hundred songs. And it was kind of a progress bar of how far they had already been through the day. Yeah? And then it also creates these bonds between the employees, but also the manager, their, their bosses, uh, to, you know, be together and sing together. And that is, I think, a lost art that we have. Maybe it may not make sense to bring it into the creative, uh, to, you know, to the, the, the kind of work that we do today, but maybe that, that there is something that we can borrow in order to make such true-color work less boring. Thank you very much. Tanya, love your thoughts on some of this. What do you think? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'd love to see how Mario applies labor songs to raise the innovation bar in a company. So that's going to be an interesting <laughs> one to do. No, I'm just kidding here. And I fully agree with him on the fact that higher engagement and having fun and collaboration can absolutely raise uh, the, the innovation profile of a company, specifically, um, I think, the collaboration factor, because when you collaborate on ideas, you, you, you usually tend to make them better. Um, so if you can do that, and if you can do that via songs, I'll, I'll be all for it, um, then absolutely. 
the AM, I think that is something that is going to, to have a huge impact on innovation. So does, as you mentioned, you know, in, in, this, in the quote you said before, happiness and having fun and, and, uh, and all of that. So absolutely. And there is a big movement for happiness today. Gopal, thoughts? I know you have something to say well, here. I, I do, actually. I mean, I, 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 was, I was trying. You want to sing? Uh, Do you want to sing? Well, Tony was trying to imagine, you know, how, how to, to use songs in that way. And I was just imagining the workers of Google standing up and singing. <laughs> thought, hmm, that, that would be interesting to see. I'd, I'd buy tickets for that. <laughs> but seriously, the, the uh, you know, for me, fun and work, to, there shouldn't be a separation between them. Because if you think of work as, as the thing you do that fills the majority of your waking hours in a day, if you're not enjoying it, my goodness, is it a difficult existence. That, it's a very difficult existence. And, and luckily, I, I guess I'm, I'm one of the people that, I, that, that is, is fortunate to actually love the work I do. And so I don't seek, for example, this idea of work-life balance. I, I don't need one because I'm enjoying what I do. For those that, for those uh, for whom work-life balance is a topic, it's usually because they're not much enjoying the work and they need the balance of something else that is actually fun. And if we could integrate those things and be that through gamification or actually engaging people in the innovation process at every level in an organization, and, and this is one of the, the things about, about innovation that I find a little bit weird is that you know there are companies that. I say, well, we can't be innovative because we're an accountancy or we are mm -hmm. a whatever, and innovation is, is, is impossible in our environment. I, I don't believe that. I, in fact, I refuse to believe that because innovation is not just about making a new product. It's not just about making a new widget, if you will. Innovation is, is at all levels, service innovation, process innovation, even relationship innovation or business model innovation. All of those things can be applied in any form of, of business area and, and applied successfully if the people who are involved in that process, the ones who are the experts in that process, can really be brought out and engaged in a way that, that actually harnesses their creative capability. So I, I think that the potential for innovation is huge. How well it's harnessed? Really, really poorly. Really, really poorly. It's, 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 it's often... The, the, the innovative capacity of an organization and its people is often so underutilized that it feels a little bit like, you know, that they're seeking and grasping at it outside. And back to those statements again, mm -hmm. we're an innovative company and trying to, trying to, you know, calm themselves into believing it. But it, it's, it's, if we can integrate fun into the workplace, engage people in a way, they will give more of themselves. And they'll do it willingly. It's not something that's forced. It's, it's something that's completely voluntary. Gopal, I'm going to read a quote from Confucius. Mario, I hear you. Just give me one second. The quote is, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life, Confucius. Mm -hmm. And that's, I believe, what that's you it. were saying. If you have fun, passion, mm -hmm. I feel that way about being able to produce and create and host SAP Game Changers Radio. Mm -hmm. I have so much fun. Perfect. What is the balance issue? I, I do it as whatever it requires to do it well, I hope. And, and there is no issue. It's just a privilege and a passion. So there, that's why I'm so happy to be here with the three of you. Mario, did I hear you in the background wanting to say something? Yes, I wanted to add, to add something that Gopal said, uh, fix fun. Of course, I am not coming with these labor songs out of nowhere. There is, there is John Cleese 
of Monty Python who has a talk uh, where he talks about humor and how important humor is. And he says, humor and fun uh, open your mind, uh, open your mind for new ideas. Humor, in, in fact, is, uh, you know, the clash typically of two opposite thoughts that, that short circuit somehow. And that is what you need somehow in innovation. You, you basically bring two different things together and suddenly have a new experience or a new thing that you get here. And those desperately actually needing innovation uh, often take it too seriously. They, they think we cannot make fun of that. Uh, but actually, fun prepares your mind to uh, be open to these things. And, and songs uh, put you also in this kind of trance. So whatever helps you to open your mind should be something that we should consider for applying in order to be more innovative. Thank you very much. And you know what? In the time we have left, let's see, we're going to take a break in seven minutes. I want to go to some notes from Tanya Erisman. Interesting, uh, we have some statistics here I think are very important, Tanya. You say millennials respond exceptionally well to gamification. And then you added 50% of millennial respondents, and you can tell us what this the study was, I know, by MTV researcher Nick Shore. You can tell us about it. Find real life less stimulating than gaming. OMG. And then you also talk about game designer guru Jane McGonigal. So why don't you take us through these points, Tanya, and then we'll have Gopal and Mario respond. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think there's loads of data that points to the fact that millennials are good at or respond really well to gamification. And uh, not, not uh, last but not least to the fact that they obviously know games very well, specifically uh, video games, um, which are often very close or, or at least closer than maybe the board game um, uh, to, to some of the gamified applications you find um, in, in businesses. But, you know, imagine, um, as Jane McGonagall said, um, if the average 21-year-old has spent um, roughly or half the time um, of their whole school system playing video games. So she says that uh, the average 21-year-old has spent over 10,000 hours playing video games, and that equals the amount of school time between 5th and 12th grade, so that's roughly half the school time. Imagine how good you get at that and how good and you know, how well-prepared you are for an environment um, that is gamified in the business. So I think that's a very powerful thing to happen. And, uh, yes, it is a bit sad to hear that millennials find that real life is less stimulating than gaming. <laughs> so that is Aww. a bit sad. And I hope, you know, that brings me back to, the, to what you said before, Bonnie, when you said, I love my job, and so do I. Um, and hopefully, you know, these millennials will find jobs that they love as well, so, so they find them stimulating, <laughs> not just the games that they're in. We can only hope. Now, what about Jane McGonigal? Apparently, she's a, a leader and a guru in game design. Are people using her, her games as models for what's happening in businesses today, Tanya? Um, absolutely so. And also, I've seen quite a lot of very interesting game designs uh, that Jane McGonigal um, has done. Uh, you know, it, it, it's in businesses as well as also in, in environmental problems, for example, and to raise the engagement of people to find solutions to problems that, for example, we have for the environment. There's lots of different things uh, that have been done around that. And I think Mario probably can comment on that as well, because uh, uh, previous uh, to the radio show that we're on now, we had a bit of a conversation about her, didn't we? Mario? Yes, we, we, we did. Uh, Jay Chain, the game designer, she, she tries really to apply game design for good causes and for real-world effects. Uh, also, she wouldn't, she wouldn't call herself a gamification designer, but she has done a, a game called Super Better uh, that was based on having a concussion that she suffered from 
and uh, she was very depressed. And uh, she created a game so that her friends and family could help her get over that uh, that, that difficult period uh, by giving them missions and tasks. And this way, she could heal faster and and uh, you know get rid of the depression. And, and that was an interesting thing of how she saw that as a game design challenge uh, and and helped her to make you know such a depressing thing fun and get rid of her depression wow gopal thoughts on wow. this are you familiar with yeah talk to me gopal well I, i'm i'm just impressed by the story i think that's fantastic <laughs> it, it shows that the application is really really wide and it's it's uh you know i i, I believe firmly that that games, you know, particularly productive business games, are here to stay, partly because the utility of their application has now been proven. It's a faster way to do some of the things that we need to do. It's whether it's learning something. We're we're involved in a project right now, for example, in which one of our clients wants very much to try and teach their entire organization, some eight thousand people about the processes, the tools, and the KPIs that run the entire business. And they asked us to design a workshop to do that. And Mm -hmm. as I was listening to the briefing, I thought, this has the makings of the world's most boring workshop in history. (laughs) Wow. Did you say it out loud, Gopal? Did you tell anybody? (laughs) I did. I told them that, actually. And and I said, but I have an idea. I think we could actually design a game to do this. So people would learn about processes, tools, and KPIs, not because we're cramming it down their throat, but because the situation in which we put them, this competitive game, for example, requires the learning and application. So it's a self-directed learning in an organized direction that forces them to learn quickly or require not forces, but requires them to learn quickly so that they can apply it in the context of the game in order to help their teams win. And this is what we're busy doing right now is to design, design a game to teach something or to help participants learn something that would otherwise be extremely difficult to to spread through an organization, so I, I'm 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 exactly with you, Mario. I think I think it's it's it's, it's a wonderful way to, to to spread learning in different ways across an organization, and actually engage people in that learning process at a totally different level than we can do with other means of disseminating information. Thank it's you, Gopal. Uh, it's also be more effective. You have it traditional. When you have a traditional learning environment, you learn, you retain only 10% of the material. But if you create a game for or immersive experience, up to 90% of the content, the the learning material stays with the with the learners. That's a positive impact. I, I want to bring in one more piece of research from Tanya because we're going to take a break in two minutes. Tanya, you mentioned to me something about Gartner. You say more than 50% of the companies that manage the innovation process will gamify that process by 2015. You want to just comment on that, please? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's quite an interesting one because that's next year, you know, so that's not uh, so mm-hmm. far off. And I think what is interesting is so far what I've seen mainly is that um, companies tend to gamify the ideation process. 
And that's just one small part of innovation. You know, obviously, it's good to come up with a lot of good ideas, and that's what, you know, how gamification is often used, and that's probably the 50% that you see. Um, but I've seen very few companies innovate in other areas, and something that uh, Mario and Kopal just mentioned is you know, the learning process. Why don't you gamify a process uh, whereby your people can learn to be more creative? Creativity is a skill. That's something you can learn, and you can gamify their learning of being more creative. That's something you could do in innovation as well. And you don't see quite a lot of that happening. So you see a lot in ideation, uh, but you don't see a lot beyond that. Thank you very much. I think we're going to take a break. Uh, we were speaking about 2015. Well, Tanya and Gopal and Mario, I'm going to give you all an assignment. Please go out and find the crystal ball. You know you were supposed to get it for the show. And see if you can look ahead to perhaps the year 2020, very popular year people are talking about, or any year where you can see clearly a little blue sky. And when we come back, we're going to go into our crystal ball predictions round. And I'm going to ask first Gopal, then Mario, and then Tanya, what would we be talking about if we convened again, sat again as a panel in whatever year you can see in the future, what would we be saying about the status of innovation and gamification, specifically the iWorker, the employee, and the co-laborer? We're going to go right out, be right back, 90 seconds, don't think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, Brad, out. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, Resource scarcity and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Innovating Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. Go, and it's time for our crystal ball predictions round. Our topic today is gamification and innovation, the iWorker, the employee, and the co-laborer, as in collaborateur. We're going to start off with Gopal Rajguru at Innovate and Grow. Gopal, how far ahead could you see in the crystal ball? In two minutes, what do you see? Go ahead, please. I'd like to think about the year. Well, let's use that magic 2020 just because okay. it's, it's also defines clear vision 2020. And mm-hmm. I, I think by, by that time, I mean, it's, it's about, let's say, six years from now. If we were to, to, to convene at the end of that, that six years, I think we would see very much this, this idea about the year. Well, let's use that magic 2020 just because okay. it it's also defines clear vision 2020. 
And mm-hmm. I, I think by, by that time, I mean, it's, it's about, let's say, six years from now, if we were to, to, to convene at the end of that, at that six years, I think we would see very much this, this idea of gamification not just in, integrated into the, into, the, into the workplace, but I think we would just start seeing now the second and even third generation of gamification trying to identify new ways because the, 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 the part about which we're talking today, the integration in the, in the workplace, would be so commonplace that there would be no question that it would be it would be the way in which certain ideas are introduced or in which people are engaged. And I think game, game designers such as Mario and others would be, would be looking for the second or even the third generation of how to, how to go further, how to go faster, and to do things in ways that would, be, that would be even more productive. And that, I think, will start to apply more and more to innovation. So bringing some of the promises that are currently espoused by CEOs and their messages to the public, it would actually start becoming reality. The, the reality they live would become closer. I'm not saying it would be the same, but I think it would be much closer to the, the vision that they, that they create. So for me, that, would, that, I think, would be the big change, is, is that it would become commonplace, what we're discussing today, as being futuristic. And, and do you agree with the Gartner uh, stat that we got from Tanya? More than 50% of companies that manage the innovation process will gamify that process by 2015. You think 2015 is the year? I'm not asking you to, re- to refute uh, Gartner's prediction, but do you think it's going to be starting in a big way next year, or will it take longer than that? Starting in a big way, yes. Whether they'll reach the 50%, I don't know. But uh, th- there is certainly, uh, at least among my clients, and, and that's, that's my, my barometer, is, is, is mm-hmm. yes, it is very much in play at the moment. Good to know. Thank you so much, Gopal. Mario Herger at Enterprise Gamification Consultancy. What does your crystal ball show you today, Mario? How far out can you predict and what do you see? Well, when I look at that, I see the year 2019. Uh, this mm. is just one year short of when the millennials are hitting 35. And that's kind of this this uh, age where really this large, where they're overtaking basically management. Uh, and the, the reason why I look at that is because they start really hiring people at this time. And they will look... Uh, completely different at how they hire people, not at the resumes. Uh, this, is, this is all something that you can make up, but they will look at your player profile. They will look at competency scores that you had generated by working in a company or by working in other areas uh, and look at what you have achieved there. Uh, and that's, that means they will look from a database perspective uh, real data that you have accomplished on um, should they hire you or not. And that is my prediction for 2019. Thank you very much. I appreciate the contrary view, the 2019. Well, that's one year short of 2020. So there, Tanya Erisman, what do you see in the crystal ball? You have a year, a month, a day, a week. What do you see? And talk to us. Go ahead. 
I was going to uh, pick 2022, but that's boring, so I'll pick 2021 now. <laughs> uh, quickly, just a few years from now, let me paint the journey to that date uh, for you. And I think there's two parts of it. There's the gamification that evolves, and there's the innovation part that evolves uh, around us. With gamification, I think what's going to happen is probably, there's, as usual with things, uh, there's a hype curve, I think. So people get tired of, of, of things, which means that I think the next generation of gamification is probably going to be more subtle and more dynamic than what we currently see in business applications. What I mean with that is it's probably going to be more personalized, more intimate, more intelligent and more, let's say, situation aware. So aware of which environment I'm in, um, uh, you know, basically also maybe getting Internet of Things uh, feeds from where I am, what my temperature is and things like that. It will also be emotionally aware of, you know, where I am at the moment so it can predict things. So I think I'll, let me call that it's going to be sophisticated gamification or more sophisticated mm-hmm. gamification. I think that's what's going to happen because of a hype and because of people getting tired. Now, innovation, how will that evolve? That's a good question. I think a connected world, as is developing now, opens up the innovation space for everyone. So um, that means everyone has knowledge at their fingertips. Everyone can collaborate. Everyone can make, and I'm referring to makers' movements here, things there. So everyone is a potential innovator, and that's very powerful. Now, the question for businesses is, how do you channel this? Now, combine the two, the, the sophisticated gamification and businesses wanting to channel everyone's innovativeness, and that's where I think we will be in a few years from now. So businesses will try to turn crowds of individuals with their innovative power into, let's call it a swarm, people going in a direction that's wanted. Thank you, Tanya. We ended just perfectly. I just have 40 seconds to close the show, and I appreciate that. Let me do shout-outs of gratitude. Thank you, Gopal Raj, guru at Innovate and Grow. Wonderful to have you on the show. As always, thanks for coming back. Mario Herger at Enterprise Gamification Consultancy. Wonderful to meet you. I hope we'll hear from you again. And Tanya Erisman at SAP, a delight and a pleasure. And um, Michel Serrier is busy, but he said Tanya is the best. So there you go. There's a vote of confidence. (laughs) I have to do a thank you to Michel Serrier for sponsoring at SAP sponsoring the series Malcolm Kimball and my colleague at SAP News Center for bringing Gopal back to us I believe he was the one who said go get him he's good this is his topic uh, let's see now this is the end of our broadcast week believe it or not we've done four live shows this week I'll be back Monday with HR Trends with Game Changers we're in season three Wednesday morning coffee break with Game Changers Wednesday afternoon we will be having the customer edge with Game Changers the alternate weeks with Internet of Things with Game Changers and next Thursday here. Same time as right now, we'll be on with the Future of Business Season 2 and the week after that, Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. It's busy at SAP Game Changers Radio. Yes, it is. I have a call to action for everybody. You know what it is. You've heard it a million times and here it is once more. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another live show with SAP Game Changers Radio. (music) Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.